Welcome to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan. Have you heard the term one water? I hadn't until recently when I read about a new school being built here in Wimberley. It was described as a one water school. I learned that one water buildings and landscapes are designed to greatly reduce dependence on groundwater, which as we all know is in short supply. That benefits the environment, helps preserve and extend our water supply, saves the school district money, and teaches students about wisely using a very precious resource. Two of the people who were instrumental in convincing the school board to build the new school and grounds with a one-water design are my guests today. They are Nick Dornack, Director of Watershed Services for the Meadows Center for Water and the Environment at Texas State University, and David Baker, Executive Director of the Wimberley Valley Watershed Association. We began with a definition by David Baker of the term one water. The, the, sh- the water shortages that, that we're seeing, especially in the western United States and many parts of the world, uh, one water is a, is a system and a, a framework to manage water more sustainably and ideally even, even regeneratively as a way to um, uh, ensure that there will be enough for um, not only the population but the environment too. So we've, we've kind of explained what is one water, but why is it an important concept? What, what makes it important uh, in terms of our current water situation? The school is going to uh, catch rainwater. It's going to recycle. It's going to utilize that rainwater and the AC condensate to flush toilets. It's going to take that water and it's going to treat it on site with a uh, with an on-site wastewater system, and it is going to ultimately um, then uh, offset what would have been pumping from our aquifer, and uh, and then it's going to treat the water coming off the site with green infrastructure, uh, which is rain gardens and bioswales. So it'll clean that water before it's, it's, it's released in, back into the creek and into the environment. So it's a holistic approach. And I think the exciting thing about it is it will reduce the water consumption from the school by near, nearly 90% of what a, a, a normal you know, school would, yeah. would use. I think um, the key to what David just said was uh, the term holistic, and that's that's really what One Water is about. It's about looking at all the components and how they work together, and finding more efficient use uh, for that water. Um, do we need to um, pull water out of a reservoir or out of the ground? Take it through an entire treatment system just to flush it back down a toilet. You know, not too many folks are drinking out of toilets that need, you know, we don't need to have that. So um, why put in all of that investment and infrastructure to do that? Uh, The other thing is, um, you know, one of the the great things we've learned in in, uh, agriculture and the food industry is locally sourced. 
Well, um, the same thing can apply to a one water design because it is water that's physically collected or produced in the case of the school on site. Mm -hmm. The condensate is actually produced by the school. And rather than uh, sending that, you know, on across a parking lot to evaporate or pick up pollutants and fall in the stream, we're going to capture that and put that to beneficial reuse. So um, there are so many ways that we can use water smarter, more efficiently, better, and ultimately uh, more economically. So I think that One Water is going, it's so intriguing because um, we can take all of these these ideas of, of efficiency and maximization like we, we have in our society. How can we squeeze more and more out of, you know, less and less and really put it to great use um, and, and save this resource for, for you know, our, our current population, uh, for the environment, for all the things that we enjoy and sometimes take for granted. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan, and I'm here today with Nick Dornack, Director of Watershed Services for the Meadows Center for Water and the Environment at Texas State University, and David Baker, Executive Director of the Wimberley Valley Watershed Association. And we're talking about the One Water School that's going to be built here in Wimberley. So uh, you kind of outlined the concept of what it is. Um, Wimberley, as maybe some of our uh, listeners might not know, is a small town near Austin and contains several sensitive water resources. Um, Did that factor in at all in terms of designing this uh, school as a one-water school? Absolutely. The... uh the iconic Spring Jacobs Well is is at the heart of the Wimberley Valley, and that is a, a, a deep, over mile mile long cave that goes into the karst aquifer. The the karst being the broken up limestone that is a uh, ancient seabed that that it acts as a as an amazing aquifer, and that water wells up out of the spring and and feeds this this beautiful creek that runs through the heart of the valley through Wood Creek and Wimberley. And in 2000, Jacob's Well stopped flowing for the first time in history, uh, a known history. And that was primarily uh, partially because of drought. We live in a drought and flood prone area, but it was primarily caused by over pumping of the aquifer pumping too much out, like a bank account that we are not depositing as, no, as much as, as you're spending. Right. And so that, that decline is happening not only here, but all over the region and many parts of the world. So uh, that, that context created a uh, sort of a crisis for the valley. Our whole economy is based on uh, really tourism. We have 80% mm-hmm. of our sales tax comes from people coming to visit Jacob's Well, Blue Hole, the Blanco River. If those resources dry up, uh, then we lose that economy, but we also lose this extraordinary um, uh, ecological treasure. Uh, these, these watersheds are full of endangered species and just beautiful aquatic life. So there's, there's the attraction to come here is really those water resources. 
But if we, but over pumping the aquifer to feed development uh, is a threat to to that environment, and I would say to our economy. So the uh, the the system you, you kind of outlined it earlier. Uh, but I'd like to go through it in some detail in terms of what will be constructed uh, as part of this system. Uh, so can uh, Nick, would you like to address that? Sure. Well, there, there are multiple components to uh, the One Water School um, uh, to, again, maximize uh, the use of, of the water that we collect and the water that we create and the water that we actually treat on site. Um, the the key component of, of any one water design has to be beneficial reuse of water. And so oftentimes in a traditional construction or a traditional development, the thought is find water somewhere and uh, use it and then get rid of it as quickly as possible which often means sending it to a wastewater treatment plant or something like that. And uh, I kind of think of this as the wastewater mindset. So, um, but I think it's important that we find ways to, again, uh, turn that on its head. Why just look at the term wastewater. We're, we're wasting that water. So, so let's find a way to reuse it. So we start with um, a, a, a collection and reuse system. The, uh, the first step of the collection process is to um, collect rainwater that falls on the site into rainwater harvesting tanks. Um, we have one large tank, I believe it's going to be 250 or 300,000 gallons to uh, collect rainwater off the roof. And that was sized based on um, historic rainfall totals over the last 30 years. We did uh, quite a number of calculations to come up with the exact volume of that tank that would be needed. Um, and that, and then that water will be uh, sent through a, a minimal treatment process and then uh, will serve the toilet flushing needs for the school. That's one of the largest internal uses that you will have is toilet flushing. But when that water goes down the drain, we're not done with it yet. So um, we've uh, helped to design uh, an on-site treatment system that's a very low energy uh, demand system. It's highly resilient. It's a packed bed recirculating system that filters the water and uh, then we're able to reuse that water on the site for an athletic field for the kids to play on and for the community to use so we've used that that water multiple times so it's going to be used for watering absolutely so we will not be bringing in any kind of potable water for irrigation needs um the uh, the other components are uh, the other key components are the green stormwater infrastructure, and that's to manage stormwater. Um, when you develop, oftentimes you channelize that flow. You might disturb the ground and pick up 
tons of sediment and things like that. So green stormwater infrastructure, things like rain gardens and swales and uh, even permeable pavement in the parking lot will serve to slow that water down, infiltrate it into the ground, provide some recharge, provide improved soil moisture, and prevent that water from, and all the pollutants that it may pick up from running downstream and polluting places like Blue Hole, which is gonna be right down the stream from the school, one of our favorite swimming holes here. Right. You're listening to Mothering Earth. My name is Salwa Khan, and I'm here with Nick Dornack, Director of Watershed Services for the Meadows Center for Water and the Environment, and David Baker, Executive Director of the Wimberley Valley Watershed Association. We're talking about the One Water School uh, that's going to be built here in Wimberley. But right now, it's time for a break. We're back now. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan. My guests are Nick Dornack, Director of Watershed Services for the Meadows Center for Water and the Environment at Texas State University, and David Baker, Executive Director of the Wimberley Valley Watershed Association. We're talking about the One Water School that's being built in Wimberley, and you just, uh, Nick, you just described uh, a major part of the system. in terms of the, uh, I, I wanted to go back to what you said about uh, rain gardens and swales. Some people may not know what those terms are. Can you kind of describe what those are and how they save water? Sure. Well, um, there are uh, there are components of the school that conserve water, and there are components of the school uh, that are really more focused on water quality. Um, green stormwater infrastructure is a term we use for a number of these practices uh, that can uh, uh, really help do some of both um, and are really focused on treatment. So rain gardens are management practices that we use uh, to control stormwater runoff. They are typically um, created on site using some type of uh, engineered soil mix that is uh, designed specifically to infiltrate water quickly. And uh, then we use specialized plants of the native variety, of course, that can uh, both withstand uh, periods of drought as well as being submerged for up to 24 hours. And the idea with these these gardens is is uh, to collect that water and slow it down, so that it can percolate through. So we have a a small area of treatment that can or a small treatment for a very large area. We direct water into these uh, into these uh, these gardens. Um, the same thing really applies to permeable pavement. So, um, yeah, what is that? What is a permeable, permeable pavement? Uh, it's well, and and there's many there's many materials that are out there right now. And the wonderful thing is, is that the price is going down on this stuff. Um, it's it was you know somewhat cost prohibitive in years past, but uh, the the price is getting much closer to standard. Uh, paving materials, but the idea is that there's pore space uh, in in the pavement that allows 
water to infiltrate through. It, it, you pour a bucket of water onto a site that's covered in permeable pavers and it's literally gone in seconds. Wow. So um, what that does is then collects in a reservoir underneath and then slowly percolates in. We are just trying to figure out ways to um, slow this water down that we've been in such a hurry to get rid of all of these years that caused these, you know, massive floods and things like that. Uh, I understand also that there are uh, the fixtures, uh, the water fixtures, I guess. Uh, is this things like taps and such uh, are also designed to save water? The school will have uh, low flow fixtures. It'll have, you know, auto um, uh, water fixtures. So when you put your hands up there, the, the, the water comes on, runs for a very short period, and um, low-flow fixtures for the toilets, kitchen staff, the, all the kitchen utensils and, or, and appliances will be low-flow. And there'll be special instructions, too, for the kitchen staff and, and the, the maintenance to uh, be very conscious of their water use. Um, and uh, that, that culture of water stewardship, of water conservation, and one of the neatest features, I think, that, that the architects have planned is that in the library, there'll be clear pipes. And when it starts raining, the kids will be able to see the water running from the roof through the library and really connect with the fact that, hey, yeah. this water is coming from the skies and yeah. it's coming through our school. And that's what's they're, they're going to be very aware of that. The architects also designed the the toilet flushing, they'll dye that water blue, so the so the plumber plumbing crew can tell which if it's the rainwater or if it's the potable right. water, and so so that'll that'll be another another feature there. But it, it is a it is a fantastic and a very innovative system. One water traditionally has been very focused on urban environments and. We are excited to, to start to develop this, this rural application of that framework. And, um, you know, we, we sometimes think that the water is endless. And oftentimes I'll talk to groups and say, well, do you know where your water comes from? And, you know, some people say the tap, yeah. right? <laughs> it comes from the, the tap. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but this, this, this effort here with the this, this school is going to be you know, this is going to be a primary school, first and second grade, really starting this culture of, of stewardship at that very young age and understanding that this water that's, that there is, is coming from the sky is the same water that's coming out of the, the spring and when they swim at Blue Hole and really connecting them to that. Well, not only that, David, um, of, of course, one of the things when we were looking at the design of the school was to incorporate the school gardens. So the kiddos will not only see that water being collected and used when they're washing their hands or, or you know, uh, I'm sorry, flushing the toilets, but um, we have rainwater system to irrigate school gardens. So the kids uh, will have that opportunity as well to grow their own, own food and, oh, really? you know, see how how that works as well. And um, even in, in rural environments, there is, um, I have three kids of my own, and um, it's more and more difficult to connect children to the earth these days. There's so, there's so many distractions 
out there. And um, we've, we've learned with very good research and very good science to back this up that green schools mean smarter kids. The kids do better. The academics prove it out. So getting those kids in outdoors, getting the sunlight, working in the garden, especially at that young age, is so important for their development. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Saul Wakan. Uh, I'm here today with Nick Dornack of the Meadows Center and David Baker of the Wimberley Valley Watershed Watershed Association. And we're talking about the uh, construction of a one-water school in Wimberley. Um, we've talked about uh, the sort of construction, how it's going to be built, and so on. Um, what are the? Uh, you had some uh, figures that tell us about uh, cost savings. We did quite a bit of research on schools that are recently constructed and what type of uh, water costs we were seeing at other Wimberley schools, at Jacobs Well Elementary, for instance. And um, when we applied the uh, the annual cost for the water and the sewer at Jacobs Well compared to the demands that we would have because one, we're taking 90% less potable water into the school. We only need it for drinking fountains and and hand washing and and some dishwashing. Um, But then we're treating everything on site. So we're not having to pay sewer fees and treatment fees that way. Our system is, there are some, some cost inputs, but it's far less than than what it would go through a traditional wastewater treatment process. So um, what it what our calculations show is that on an annual basis, the school will be saving about thirty thousand dollars a year on water and sewer. That alone equates to about nine hundred thousand dollars over a thirty year period, which is, you know, typically what you think about in a life of construction. The uh, the other amazing part of this uh, this type of build, this type of one water approach was um, we have uh, going back to one of your earlier questions about uh, the the sensitive and, and beautiful and um, tremendous treasure that we have here of Jacob's well and um, the amount of water that will stay in the aquifer rather than going through this school, is quite tremendous. The uh, standard construction that is used, uh, the, the standard water rate that is used by the Texas Commission for Environmental Quality and engineers is to handle about 20 gallons per student per day in a school like this. Right. We estimate, based on historic water use plus the efficiencies and the reduced potable water demand, that we will actually be at about two gallons per student per day over over a year, that's a difference of 3 million gallons per year with the standard system to 300,000 gallons with our system of potable water used. That is remarkable. So, um, so that's a, a huge savings for the environment. Um, and then, and financially as well. So the school district benefits from the financial gain as well. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, I just I think uh, it was so exciting to see uh, we had unanimous votes from the school board. This was Mm -hmm. it. 
they made us work for it, but it was, uh, it was, uh, it was, um, their leadership and, uh, guidance through this process, I think was tremendous. And it shows why the Wimberley school district will be the first one in Texas with a school like this. Impressive. You know, the, the future of, of water in the Texas Hill country is, uh, I think it's, it's under threat. I think we are in a crisis and, um, we have a pattern of drought and flood and we've been in a very wet period. And what happens when, when it's wet is what we call the hydro illogical cycle. We, we think everything's fine. We, we go ahead and we keep developing, we keep adding more straws in the aquifer and then the next drought comes. And as we saw in 2011, the, the worst one-year drought in history, Cypress Creek dried up, Blanco River dried up, people's wells started drying up, panic. That's, and then it rains again, and we go back into this denial. And so we hope to break that cycle, and we hope to bring awareness to the fact that uh, we, with climate change, we're going to see more severe, longer droughts, and we also live in the in the second fastest growing county in the United States. Mm-hmm. This region is going to add 2.5 million people over the next 25 to 30 years. All those people are going to need water. So one water is the way forward for us to deal with climate change, population growth, the sensitivity of the environment here in the Hill Country. And not only just here, but I think really everywhere yeah, in, exactly. in the West and, and beyond. One Water is a smart way to think about water use. I hope you've enjoyed our program. I'm Salwa Khan. Thanks for listening. Please tell your friends about this program. And come back again for more amazing sustainable living news on Mothering Earth.